Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. Him and I were married and we start working at this place and we have the same boss. Me and the boss started this affair. It got out of control. And there were times where I would try to back up or pull back and his thing was, well, you know, I signed both of your paychecks. The whole time I just felt like I wasn't my own person. This interview had me in tears by the end of it. First of all, the character growth you're gonna hear in this interview is incredible. We're listening to somebody who has deeply hurt someone they loved, but you know what? We're also wronged by somebody else as well. Hey, What's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Hey, just a reminder, if you like following your podcast on social media, you can catch us on Instagram at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. You can always catch timestamps in the episode description if there's a certain part of the interview that you want to jump to. And if you like this podcast, I always love it when you leave us a positive review. Hey, Heartbreakers. Welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. Guess who's here with me? Are they guessing? Did they guess? <laughs> Last week, you said Steven Spielberg. I'm like, who's Justin going to say this Oh, week? yeah, no, I Panic. <laughs> Coworker Justin just loves to have his little aliases. This week you can be, um, I almost said Liam Hemsworth, but you don't want to be him this week. Yeah, not good. No, Maybe. well, yeah, no, he's no, going through it. He's going through it. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to another episode of the Breakup Breakdown. Hey, wanted to let you know that if you want to tell your own breakup story on the podcast, or if there's a couple you've been following that you're like, oh my gosh, I have always wanted to know why they broke up or I think they broke up, there's a submission form in this episode description. Head there, submit it. I need all the stories I can get and let me know. We love to be nosy, obviously. So this this week we're talking about a workplace scandal, which mm. we haven't had a workplace scandal. That's a good thing. But this week we're talking about it. And this week's interviewee is pregnant with her ex-husband's child. Currently while, pregnant. Yes. While oh. in the midst of divorcing the guy she cheated on him with. Mind blown. Okay. So she's pregnant. Do you need me to <laughs> yeah, get like I a map a out? Map. I, need, I need a map. So there's three parties involved here or four. Well, there's four, but specifically well, three. And technically five if you count the baby. <laughs> and then the other two children as well. Oh, there's. Okay. So what is go? Okay. This is an episode for the ages. Before we get into that, I want to let you know what domestic violence shelter we are raising awareness for. It's my sister's house in Charleston, South Carolina. They've been helping victims in North Charleston for over 40 years. They offer counseling, shelter, support groups, and so much more. Get all those details on how you can help them out. You can head to the episode description. I've got all the informational links for you there. So this is a story that I believe I came across on TikTok and I've been dying to have her on because I can just tell there was so much more to the story because, you know, there's only so much you can tell them like two or three minutes. So basically I'm scrolling through my For You page and she said that she was pregnant with her ex-husband's child while in the middle of divorcing their former boss, which just adds a whole other mm -hmm. layer to this. Person three is the boss. The boss. We have husband number two. Husband number two. Okay, we have person of interest. We have person number of interest one. number one. We have the interviewee. Okay. And then the boss. She was married to person of interest and then cheated on him with their with, boss. With the boss. With the boss, as I've said oh, oh boy. seven times now. <laughs> well, but I'm still trying to like- Hang on, I'm, I'm drawing up the map as yeah, we speak. Well, there's like, we need like a web graph here or something. Basically what happens here is that I hear this and I immediately go, oh my gosh, were they working at the same office at the same time? Did person of interest know the boss? Mm -hmm. Was he just like a supervisor? Was it ever a threesome at some point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe person of interest, number one, just backed out. So I'm like, okay, first of all, where's the first husband? Because she specifies that person of interest that she was married to was the second husband. So I'm like, where's husband so there's, number yeah, one? So there's husband number one there's somewhere a fourth in party this here. Marriage. Yeah. Why did she cheat on this person of interest? Okay. 
Okay. And why are they getting back together? Because now she's pregnant with his child 10 years later. Oh, boy. A lot has happened in between that. I mean, look, you know, at some point there were feelings and then, you know, maybe they went away, but maybe they're back. Maybe he was her first love. What if it's one of those things like, you know, that other person was going through some stuff, just needs some time, like maybe it's like rehab or they just need to go away and like get their their, their stuff straightened out. You know Justin what I mean? Justin is just going to extremes today. You know, well, I had to do a story about Ben Margera. So like I'm thinking rehab was on the mind. Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, I mean, like maybe you could see where it's like maybe like they do care for each other. Just timing wasn't right. Let's reconvene in 10 years. The timing years. of their marriage wasn't right. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you just go a little too far to realize that it's not right. To me, like a workplace affair is so interesting to me. And I can say this because we just came from like a company town hall where everyone was in. Yeah. And I'm just kind of looking at everyone's dynamic. And luckily, like we haven't had like a workplace scandal or anything. I don't think so. I can't really okay. picture anybody with anybody. I'm kind of kind of weirded out thinking about that now. Yeah. But like back in the day, like radio was known for that weird stuff. Not great stuff. HR violations, if you will. No, coworker Justin is strictly my coworker Justin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicole! <laughs> Knowing all of our coworkers, if there were something happening, I think even now, like it would just... Well, you can't keep it hidden. That's what I mean. It wouldn't work. Because you see each other every day. Yeah, I mean, there was a point where we were working with somebody who was dating another person who worked in our building. They didn't necessarily work together, but like one was like the boss of a radio station. The other person had to do what they were told from oh, them. I forgot about that. That was a total conflict of interest. He did become her boss. Well, he did, but that was like a COVID situation. Yeah. Again, but but again, I, I also agree, like things were weird. I know, so I'm thinking here, I'm like, oh my gosh, did maybe the interviewee, did she cheat on her boss for like for an advantageous raise or something? Maybe. I don't That's know. That's wild. Yeah, no, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of HR violations and whatever is about to happen in this we learn about <laughs> Let's learn about these HR violations and break down. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights, make it spicy. My margaritas, make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you gotta have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't gotta worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select, just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast. So be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. I feel like there's two types of people in the world. The people that get super excited when the temps hit the 80s and the people who are like, holy crap, it's bathing suit weather and I do not feel my best. The warmer it is, the more dialed in I feel like I need to be with my nutrition. But I gotta be honest with you, I hate cooking. Do I cook for myself and feel great? Or do I get takeout and eat a bunch of crap that's just honestly expensive and not that great for you? That's why I really enjoyed trying out Factor. Factor is a meal service that requires no prep. All you gotta do is heat them up in the microwave for like two minutes and they're chef crafted. So they're actually designed to meet your nutrition goals. Whether you're trying to watch your calories, get more protein in or follow a keto diet. There are 35 different meals and 60 add-ons to choose from with breakfast, lunches, dinners, and even desserts. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. This week's breakup. Okay, so I just want to preface this by 
saying it is super ratchet. I already know y'all are like, this girl's a hoe, all this stuff. I already know. So everything you got to say about me, right back at you. Most people don't catch this part in the story. So I've actually been married three times. I got married the first time when I was like 17. I like ran away from home. I wouldn't say I was like a troubled teen. Like I never experimented with like drugs and alcohol and stuff. I just don't like people telling me what to do. Like I don't even like following ways because I'm just like, shh, don't tell me what to do. I ended up running away from home. There was this guy that I had met through my sister on like a blind date. Wasn't really attracted to him or anything, but he was like my way to like get out of the house. And so we ended up getting married when I was 17. And in the state of Maryland, in order to get married without your parents like signing over for you, you have to be pregnant. I wasn't pregnant. I was like still a virgin at the time. Okay. So, so crazy. No disrespect to his family, but his sister always had friends that were like pregnant. So they went into like an urgent care place and took a pregnancy test as me and said, like gave my name and like took a pregnancy test. Like the girl already knew she was pregnant. She was like four months pregnant. It was like, I'm sick. I don't know what's wrong. Took a pregnancy test as me. These people gave her a freaking piece of paper with my name on it saying she was pregnant. He went down to the courthouse, applied for a marriage license, and we ended up getting married. We ended up divorcing. The plan was for me to only stay married to him until I turned 18. So I wouldn't have to go back home and I could do whatever I wanted. What am I, 33? It's been years. Like since we divorced, like I haven't spoken to him. I have no idea what he's doing. I hope him and his family are doing well. We divorced and I ended up reconnecting with my family at that time. That's actually when I reconnected with Anthony. So Anthony's the only person that I'll name. So I reconnected with Anthony. So you're married to guy number one, your first husband. Where does Anthony come into the picture? Anthony and I have known each other since I was seven and he was 10. We met at church. We were homeschooled together. Our families were like super close. I'm one of eight kids. He's one of seven. Both of, you know, all of us were homeschooled. We all went to church together. We were basically raised together. So that's where I knew Anthony and Anthony and I, we were like boyfriend and girlfriend from the time I was seven and he was 10, you know, as much as we could be. We were pretty steady for like a good, maybe two or three years. As Anthony got older, I'd say probably around the time he turned 13, he got like really cute. And all the girls at our church were like obsessed with him. At the time, it doesn't sound like a huge age gap, but at the time he's 13 and I'm 10, there was things he was allowed to do that I wasn't necessarily allowed to do. So like he might be able to go to bowling and I couldn't go to bowling, but you know, all the little fast 13 year olds were able to go to bowling. And so like they would start talking and he would break up with me for one of these other girls. So we kind of had this like on and off again type thing, Anthony and I, but we would always get back together. Like everybody knew Anthony and Abby, they just, they go together. Like you might get in there for two weeks, but he's going to go back to Abby. And that's kind of how um, we'd always been up until the point where I got married. I was at this point, you know, I'm 17. You couldn't tell me shit. I thought I knew everything. And I'm like, no, you broke my heart all these times. You know, I was feeling myself. And so I was like, I didn't really want to give him the time of day at that point. So he was actually there. Like when I ran away, he was like at my parents' house and kind of like helped them like look for me and was like a part of this whole thing. And then found out I got married. And I know he was heartbroken over that. You know, after I turned 18 and I'm just like, husband number one is a different type of beast. You know, I didn't know him from anywhere. I kind of decided like, hey, I'm going to go back home. I called my parents, Anthony and I started talking again. And we were thinking like, maybe we could try to make something work. We're both older now. I was allowed to go bowling. Like I could go places. And it was kind of almost like this little fairy tale that we were finally getting back together. Anthony was older. He could drive. So he decided to like move up to Maryland where we lived. We started literally planning to get married. Like I just went from that marriage to this marriage with Anthony. Why didn't you marry Anthony if you were just trying to get out of the house and he's older? I was really jaded. He was like a bad boy. And he admit if you ask him now, like he'll say like, I really treated you wrong because I was like obsessed with him. And he would just like keep breaking my heart because I was younger than him. He's 16 and all the other girls that are 16 are able to go out and do things that I really wasn't able to do at 13. You know, I didn't marry him when I like wanted to get away and like run away because I was just, I was mad. And then when he finally comes back into the picture after I divorced the first husband, we decided to get married, but I was still mad and bitter and I was still convinced he was going 
going to leave me again. Just convinced. He's older than me. And especially because of the way we were raised in church, are there things that maybe I don't know how to do, like more experienced girls would know how to do and this type of stuff. I was just super insecure. And I projected a lot of that onto Anthony. I took that into our marriage. So I ended up marrying Anthony, was just kind of always on edge. Something was going to happen. He was going to leave me. I didn't really believe that he had changed. And he was saying all the right things and doing all the right things. I didn't trust it. At this time, he's this man that I had known since I was seven. I was 19. So even though I was only 19, we had this really, really long history. And history was him always just breaking my heart. And he admits now, like, I treated you like shit and you were awesome. But then it was like, once he decided to start treating me right, I don't know that I trust it. And then I started on the flip side being mean back to him. That's where the third husband comes in and where my affair comes in. Him and I were married and we start working at this place and we have the same boss. I'm working in the office. Anthony was working in the field. He was a plumber. So he was in the office. I was in the office. This boss, I'm coming from homeschool, not really having interaction with people. This was my first job where I was like around people. And I've got this boss just telling me how great I was, how smart I was, how great I answered the phone. I hung the moon and I hadn't really experienced that before. Like Anthony was being super nice to me, but if Anthony told me I was pretty, I was like, well, you also told that bitch she was pretty. You know what I mean? I don't even know if I trust you because that girl, she looks like a troll and you thought she was pretty. And that's literally how I treated every single solitary thing that he did. He couldn't bring me water without me being suspect or like, did you bring that bitch water? That's how I was always thinking. So I couldn't accept anything that he was doing. But this boss, you know, he's in this position of power. This is my first time really being in a situation where I'm around peers, I'm around people. I just, I love going to work because I was around people for like really the, the first time. All of my jobs that I had prior to that, like I was nannying. So I was just in like someone's house and it was just me and the kids. So it was like this whole new thing to me. And I've got this person that's making me feel like I'm this amazing woman, this career woman. Me and the boss started this affair while Anthony and I are married. It got out of control. When I tell my story, people are always like, well, he manipulated you or he did that. I like to take the responsibility for my part. I was an adult. I was over 18. I was 19. Developmentally, people say, well, I don't think that you were right developmentally because of how sheltered you were and all this stuff. I made the choice. I knew what I was doing was wrong and I decided to do it. So it started this pattern of me lying to Anthony. I'm staying late at work and he's asking me to send him pictures and it just, it progressed. And, you know, it was a full on affair. Anthony found out about it. I get pregnant with Anthony's baby. The boss knows this and wants to continue the affair. It, it becomes more and more difficult to manage. There's more moving parts and it was becoming a lot. And there were times where I would try to back up or pull back. And his thing was, well, you know, I signed both of your paychecks. You know, we were young. We were living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, whenever I wanted to call it off, he would always think that that meant that I was going to go and tell and, you know, try to get him in, in trouble. And so it became this big, huge thing. Well, Anthony ends up finding out about the affair because I have my daughter. The affair goes on for like a year and a half. I don't think Anthony really ever even suspected that I would do something like that because of what my character had been throughout our entire time that we'd known each other. Like I had always been obsessed with this boy. He was feeling so bad because of all the stuff that he had done to me. He just never thought that I would do anything like that to him. So he was never like the type that would question me or whatever. But I ended up leaving my phone home one day. I leave out for work like super early. I had like a work phone. I'm thinking the phone's in the car. So I call it. And when I call the phone, it obviously alerts him to the fact that it's still there. He answers it. At the time, people weren't using like locks and stuff on their phone. And so he starts going through the phone and he sees everything. And it was a really, really bad day. He finds out about the affair, calls my parents, his parents, there's tears. And I tried to minimize it and I blamed him and tried to act like, well, you know, you've done it to me and, you know, it's not really a big deal. And we did not really ever give it a real try. And I think that was not because Anthony didn't want to, but because I, number one, was still lying. I was still being dishonest. And there's really 
really hard to heal from something that you haven't even acknowledged or recognized. Maybe two or three months later, we finally end up just saying, okay, let's just get a divorce. Like we're not going to be able to make this work. So Anthony and I end up getting divorced. Our daughter at the time is about nine months when we start the divorce process. So she didn't really get to experience us ever really living together. She was a baby. The last time that we lived together, we separated. The boss was like heavily involved. This is what you need to do for your divorce. This is what you need to say. This is what you need to file. He wrote things. He would just spend hours writing this and say, you know, say this. And I just kind of like listened to him. I think I was kind of enamored by the fact, if I didn't mention this already, the boss was 18 years older than me. You know, he knew everything. When I look back on it now, I'm like, I kind of got this dad vibe from him. But at the same time, I was like romantically liked him, but he also felt like he was this protector and taught me about all these things that I didn't know about. And so I think I was kind of just enamored because he had lived this life that I had never lived before. Anthony had never lived before because we had both been so sheltered. Anthony and I end up getting a divorce. The boss and I stay in this relationship about three years after Anthony and I divorced, the boss and I get married. And the reason it took three years was because I really did not want to marry him. Yeah. After the dust kind of settled with like all the drama with like Anthony and like our families and custody stuff, I saw a side of the boss that was just, I don't know that this is necessarily what I want to be a part of. And I was kind of feeling like I really messed up. It's my opinion that he strategically and systematically just isolated me from everyone. You know, I come from this big family. He cut me off from my family, convinced me that they were wrong, that they were bad. They didn't want to see me happy. No friends. Like I I had absolutely no one. He's literally the only person that I had. And I was relying on him for a lot of stuff. He was helping me financially, finding a place to live and making sure that, you know, I was taken care of. He wasn't super wealthy or anything. So it wasn't like this money situation. I, I didn't have anything in savings. I didn't have money to be able to move into a place or whatever. So it was a constant fight between us. You know, I wanted to leave and he would beg me not to go and start crying. And, you know, you don't have anybody. And even up until the night, I still have the emails. Even the night before our wedding, I'm like emailing the wedding planner, telling her like the wedding's off, like I'm not doing it. It's my opinion. He became super obsessive and controlling. And it was under this guise of I'm trying to protect you. Like he made my family and my friends and Anthony out to be these people that were trying to like hurt me or destroy me. And like I said, he was like this protector, like telling me he was there to protect me and all of this stuff. It started being like, you know, I need to know where you're going and I need all the passwords to your stuff and I need all of this. And it's just like, whoa, I never really experienced that because Anthony wasn't that way. Anthony was always like super trusting of me. And I was just like, man, this just doesn't feel right. We end up getting married and it kind of went downhill from there. I, it's my opinion. I just kind of felt I was a prisoner almost. I didn't have friends. I didn't have anyone that I could talk to. He was the only person that I could talk to. And I found out probably within that first year, like I tried to call a friend of mine. He repeated back to me, the boss, a few days later, he said something that was like verbatim from the conversation that I had with this girlfriend of mine. And I was just like, this is really strange. And then, you know, I had a conversation with my grandmother on the phone in my car. A few days later, he repeated back something verbatim to me that was said during this conversation. And that's when I started to realize that he was like recording me doing everything. So he had recorders in my car. He had video cameras in our house, pretty much everywhere. Everything that I did for the 10 years that we were married, it's my opinion, was recorded audio or audio and visual. Even if you don't have something to hide, it just feels so icky. The whole time I just felt like I wasn't my own person. You know, I would get kind of like berated for ideas that I had or thoughts that I had if they weren't in line with what he wanted. And I just felt like I wasn't really a person anymore. And it kind of just went downhill. We end up getting pregnant. The boss is the father of my son who's seven. It just kind of went downhill from there. We we were fighting often. If I didn't want to fight, I kind of just had to stay quiet. I still don't have any contact with my family. I have no contact with anyone. At the time, Anthony and I, through our our custody agreement, he had a visitation schedule 
to see his daughter. But the boss was like, hey, if he wants to have his visitation, he needs to email you through this joint email account that I'm setting up. It worked for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden I stopped getting emails. I just didn't get them anymore. And I'm like, okay, like I almost got angry. Like even though we divorced and I had cheated, like I'm like, you know, this is his daughter. Why doesn't he want to see his daughter? So for years I'm carrying around this resentment towards him because I'm like, he doesn't want to see his daughter. Now he continued to pay child support, but I'm thinking he's not asking to see his daughter. I ended up finding out later, just recently within the last year that he had been emailing. I have seen the sent emails. They were just not making it to me. Now, I don't know who did it. So I'm just going to say it's my opinion. Gmail has filters. This email account was set up so that whenever he would send an email, something would happen to the emails because I never saw them. I have seen them now. Years go on. We were, I guess me and the boss were together for about 10 years. About three years ago, I got sick with like a really rare breast disease. And it kind of just put me in this position where health wise, I was like really relying on him. We were fighting a lot. I have been asking for divorce since like the night before the wedding. I was like, I don't want to get married. And I was literally asking for divorce like all the time. And he's constantly telling me like divorce is not an option. My opinion, he started to get like super religious and God doesn't like divorce. And you know, you're my wife, you belong to me. You have to submit to me, all of these just like super controlling. And I just felt like a piece of property. I couldn't do anything without running it by him. And if I didn't run it by him, I was made to feel like I owed him something for it. Anytime that I spent away from him, I was made to feel bad for like I owed him something. I've been asking for a divorce. I end up getting sick and I'm in this position where I'm fully reliant on him to pretty much do everything. Um, my breast disease was really bad to the point where I like couldn't lift my arms. I just, I couldn't do anything for myself. I'm on narcotics for like six months and I, I couldn't drive. To me, honestly, this is probably one of the hardest things. For me, it felt like my opinion that when I was sick, he was the most happy because I was so reliant on him. Like I couldn't do anything without him. If I wanted to get my nails done, he would have to drive me and he would have to go. He was telling me how great I was and like, you know, this is how our marriage should be and all of these things. And I'm feeling at the lowest point of my life, like I was in so much pain. It was making him happy to see me basically handicapped to this point where I was fully reliant on him. And it was like something that he kind of always wanted. And so me asking for a divorce kind of gets put on hold when I'm as sick as I was. And I really relied on him to take care of me. So for about a year and a half, as I battled through like the hardest part of this disease with like surgeries and going to the doctors every three days and in and out of the hospital, we kind of just didn't talk about it. I was just relying on him emotionally and I really needed him for support to be able to get through. And he did a lot for the kids during that time because I just, I physically could not do it. And because of the mental toll that the disease took on me, I started therapy. Therapy had always been something that he just was not in favor of. I had tried to do it when we first got together. I felt like my therapy sessions were being recorded and he would bring up things that I would say in therapy. And I'm just like, you're saying these things verbatim, like exactly how I said them. But it was like, he wanted to be rewarded for being so attentive, knowing what I needed. He wouldn't even rephrase it to make it sound like it was his own original idea. He would repeat back to me something I would say, and it would trigger me in such a heavy way. There's no way you would know that I said this unless you were there and listening. So I had stopped therapy back then. And then I end up starting it back up when I get sick. And just through therapy, I went away to this therapy place where I was out of state and you can go for like, you can go anywhere from like a week to three weeks and you do four or five hours of therapy a day. And then you do like group classes and it's supposed to just like help you with everything. And at the point that I was, I was like, I felt like I was going crazy because I had been homebound and just so reliant. And people don't really understand when you have like a chronic disease, it just takes a toll on you mentally. And so I go to this therapy place and I just start doing this intense therapy. It was my first time away from him in seven years. It was so bad when I decided to go, I said to him, Hey, I need to go to this place. Like I need to go to therapy. I understand if you need to go first and scope it out, 
set up whatever you need to set up or, or whatever, but I have to go. For my mental health, I need to go. He didn't end up doing that, but I believe that I had surveillance in my luggage and all of that stuff when I went because again, he just knew stuff that was just like, how would you know this unless I'm telling you? How do you know to call me right when I get in the car? How do you know right when I get back to my room? Little things like that. And so through this therapy, it was my first time really talking to somebody. For those seven years, I didn't have a single person that I could tell the truth to because everyone would say, oh, how did you meet your husband or whatever? I'm like, oh, well, we met at work. I would conveniently leave out the part that I was married when I met him and how the relationship started because it's not glamorous. Everyone's going to call you a homewrecker and a whore. So I would just leave that part out. And this was like the first time that I was able to just be honest and it felt so good. And to have my therapist, my counselor, just be able to talk back to me and be like, okay, yeah, that's pretty whorish, but you did it. I love my therapist. You, you got to find somebody that you just gel with and that'll just give it to you straight. Like, I don't want someone to be like, no, you know, it's okay. She's like, yeah, that's whorish. You shouldn't have done that. We kind of walk through it, all of these things that I was feeling. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about the situation with Anthony. I kind of just put it out of my mind, but it was there in therapy that I realized I accepted you were unfaithful. You are a cheater. You are all of these things that you look at the world and think these people are horrible. You are those things. We kind of walk through that. It was really painful. I still wasn't thinking about Anthony in the sense of him and I will ever get back together. I thought this man would never speak to me. And then I was also holding on to this resentment of he hasn't tried to reach out to his daughter. And so she kind of walked me through what it looked like to have this self-forgiveness and this self-awareness. And I came back from this week-long retreat of doing therapy for five hours a day. And I was just like, I felt like this new person. You know, it was my first time out of the house by myself. And I freaking loved it. It was in this little town. There was nothing there, but like a dollar general. I just felt free. And I came back home and I was, I was terrified. I was terrified to go back into what felt like this prison that I was living in and still not having any thought in my mind that Anthony and I would reconnect. I just started working on this, like almost, I almost came home belligerent. I, I'm sure the boss's idea would be like, she came, like they messed up my wife. Like what did y'all do to her? But I just came back, like not giving an F. I'm going where I want to go. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to say what I want to say. When I tell you, I was asking this man for divorce and he kept telling me, no, the Bible says that you can't get divorced and it's up to the man to get divorced and all this stuff. I was like, I literally told this man and I did it. I told him I was going to sign up for a dating app and put it on his credit card. Abby, I did it. I signed up for a dating app and put it on his freaking credit card. I was like, you know what? Fine. If the Bible says this is the only way you get a divorce, I don't care. Like I want out of this situation. He's still not willing to do it. You know, I'm going to make it hard for you. I'm going to destroy your life. This is my opinion of just how he was acting and things that he was saying. It was really difficult. That happened in like March. My grandfather ends up passing away a few months later. And uh, mind you, I still have no connection with my family or anything. My therapist kind of walked me through like, what is it that you think your parents did to you? Like, okay, maybe you wanted to go to public school and they didn't let you go to public school. But is that enough to never talk to your parents again? Is that enough? He had reframed a lot of things to make it sound like my life was much worse than it was. And so I was for the first time open to the idea of reconnecting with my family. When my grandfather passed away for the first time, I had a conversation with my mom in like eight years and we just embraced. And it was like, from then I kind of went on this trajectory of just like, I'm not going to keep living this way anymore. I reconnect with my family in August. And again, I'm, I'm just kind of like going around doing whatever I want to do. You know, I'm back with my family. My family's giving me the support and they didn't really come in saying to me like, Hey, cause they, they hated this man. Remind you, he graduated high school the year I was born. So I could have been breastfeeding at his graduation, literally sucking on my mama's titty at his graduation. That's how much older this man was. He, he was like my parents age. I think he's like older than my mom, but younger than my dad. They never, ever, ever liked him. They came back in and they weren't like, Oh, you need to leave him or whatever. But they knew that something wasn't right. My mom is like, this is not my daughter. I just seem sad. And like, she could see that. And so we kind of started talking and I feel like once 
once I had that support of my family, I felt like I can do this. I still didn't talk to my family about Anthony, like, hey, I was a cheater or whatever. I kind of just wanted to gloss over that. But I end up getting the mail one day in November, something that I was never, ever doing. Like he would always get the mail. He was in charge of that. I end up getting the mail and it's a piece of mail from the child support office saying that they needed Anthony's address. Normally I wouldn't get the mail, but if a piece of mail would come like this, I would freak out. Oh my gosh, you know, what if he tries to come and just take my daughter from me? Because remind you, I'm under the impression that he had never tried to see her this entire time. So I'm thinking this is this sleeping bear that I might not want to wake because it could start this huge legal battle. And he just tried to rip my daughter from me after all these years of not seeing her. Check the bank account. He was still paying the child support. So I'm like, not really sure what this is about. And I just kind of sat on it for about a day or so. And then I just kind of felt this strong feeling like I was supposed to contact him and tell him. And I had to have like every mail blocked. Like I couldn't have no man friend anywhere. So I go on Facebook and I unblock Anthony on Facebook. I take a picture of the letter. The letter just said, hey, we need an updated address for this person. Please contact us if you know his address. I took a picture of the letter and I sent it to him on Facebook Messenger. And you know, Facebook Messenger is like when someone's like typing and literally immediately when I sent the picture, he's like typing and I'm like about to shit myself. Oh my God. He's about to cuss me out. Like he's about to say, I'm coming to get our daughter. Like be ready, bitch. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? But he's like, thank you so much for contacting me. Like I'll contact them right away and find out. And then I'm like, thank you so much for contacting them and you know, letting me know that you will. And he's like, thank you so much for letting me know that you appreciate me contacting them. I still have the messages. We look at them every now and again and just laugh. It's literally 10 messages going back and forth of us appreciating or thanking each other about this stupid letter. And he ends up calling the place and like, they just needed an address for him and he gave it to him and it was no big deal. But then he, you know, he tells me and I'm like, thank you so much for telling me. Thank you for taking care of it. And then he just says, how's our daughter? And, you know, I just start telling him about our daughter and he said that he wants to talk to her. Um, she came home from school a couple hours later and I just said to her, hey, your dad wants to talk to you. Do you want to talk to him? And she just looked at me and gave me the biggest smile. And she was like, yeah. The thing is, is that the whole time, the whole 10 years that Anthony and I were apart, I never spoke bad about him to his daughter. Really, the last time she saw him, she was about three. So she wouldn't have really known him if she had seen him. She wouldn't have known what he looked like through pictures. Obviously, I wasn't allowed to have those. I didn't talk about him. Um, If I did talk about him, I would say things to her like, because Anthony's just the funniest person in the world. She would do something goofy and I would say, your dad does that. Or she makes this weird sound when she drinks that her dad made. Little things that were positive or like funny, I would say that it's just like your dad. And I'd always told her, you know, if you ever want to reach out to your dad, if you ever want to talk to him, I'll support you in that. We'll go as a family until you feel comfortable, however that looks. And she'd always say, no, you know, I don't want to. And it's not something I want to talk about right now. And it would kind of make her uncomfortable. So I just kind of left it alone. I would bring it up to her every couple of months and she would get weird. I don't want to talk about it. But that day she was like, yeah, I want to talk to him. So we scheduled a call for that next day. She was going to her first school dance and we were going to go get her dress altered. And she said, mom, I want you to be there. So he called on speakerphone. And as soon as they get on the phone, he starts crying. She starts crying. I start crying. I could not have asked for a better situation. And it just, it was so natural. Like it wasn't awkward. I think she even told him that she loved him. Like before they got off the phone, they talked for like 30 minutes. She's just telling him all about how she was school president and she won the talent show and just all of this stuff. And I'm just sitting there looking at my daughter and just watching her just like being with joy. And I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. This is my first time hearing his voice in like 10 years. Everything just like came back to me in a moment. And I just remembered who this person was at the peak of his greatness. Man, he's the father of my daughter. And this is someone that I get to parent with. And I'm going to do whatever I can to make this work. I did not go into it thinking him and I were going to get back together. So she talked to him that night. And then the next morning, she wanted to talk to him all the way to school. And they were just like obsessed with each other. You know, I, I would have to go in the room and be like, it's time to go to bed. I'm sorry. She has to go to bed. Like she could talk to you tomorrow. And so one of the days she got out of the car, I think it was day two. We said we were going to talk after she got out of the car and just kind of 
kind of talk about what it was going to be like. One of our first conversations, I'll never forget, I said to him, I know what happened has happened. Let's just leave it in the past. I'm not going to ask you to forgive me or say sorry. Like I did what I did and that's kind of it. And he was like, no, you know, it's it's not about that. Let's just parent our daughter and let's just do a bang up job. And where I was like, okay, by day three, I won't forget it hit me all in an instant. I'm listening to this man and how he's just telling me all this stuff that he wants to do with her and how he loves her and how he's had this room for her and all, all of this stuff. It hit me in that moment. This man has every reason to treat me like shit. And I mean, he was asking me like, you know, are you okay? Do you need anything? And it wrecked me, his kindness towards me because this entire time I thought he would never speak to me again. But in that moment, it was like everything that I had done to him, the weight of it hit me. And I just started like sobbing and like begging him to forgive me and apologizing for everything that I did. And he's like, you know, I forgive you. Like, let's move on. Like, let's just be friends. Like, we don't have to bring it up every day. I'm not holding it against you. What happened happened. You've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I mean, let's kind of just move on. And at that time, you know, I'm obviously I'm still married to the boss. He knows that. Obviously, I'm still living there. I did not have a conversation with the boss about what was going on. He did not know that Penelope was talking to Anthony. He did not know that I was sending him this letter. Him and I, kind of from that time I came back from the therapy, him and I literally, we weren't even speaking. Did you get the kid's lunchbox? Yes, no. Like we were not talking. But I had a conversation with my mom and told her that Anthony and I were speaking and had reconnected. And obviously I knew he was in the next room and heard it. I was not going to ask his permission to have my daughter's father in her life or anything like that. So they ended up seeing each other for the first time, like the second week of December in 2021. She wanted me to go with her. We had planned to stay at a hotel, but then he took her to his house and like showed her. She had this dream room that he set up for her. And it was just absolutely amazing. She did not want to leave. And she's like, mom, you know, will you stay? And I'm like, okay. So we ended up just staying and, and we had the best time together. I couldn't believe that I was given the opportunity to parent this little girl with this person that I just thought was so cool. Like Anthony and I's relationship, it's like we're 10 and 13, but then we're also grownups together. We have the most fun. And I was like, this is just awesome. As each day would go on, all this stuff that he was doing and like the kindness that he was showing me when really you would think he would want to spit in my face, it was breaking me. And I was just, I was feeling so guilty and just ashamed for everything that I did. And I had to do a lot of work with my therapist to kind of settle that and accept the forgiveness that he was giving me. About two or three weeks after that, I ended up filing for divorce from the boss and Anthony was there to support me. Like at first I, I didn't tell him anything that was going on because I'm still trying to keep up this appearance of like, everything's fine. Like I made the right decision and I wasn't really telling him. And then at some point it just became hard to lie. This man's known me since I was seven years old. He knew that I wasn't okay. He knew that some of the things that I was saying were just off. And it wasn't like he was saying these things. So like he could get with me, like Anthony's like, get, you know, get divorced, get out there, date, you know, and we're joking about like going out on double dates and all this stuff. Like it never even crossed our mind that we would be getting back together, but we just started talking like constantly. And we were just back to being the best friends that we had been since we were seven and 10. And it just felt so right. Filed for divorce at the end of December. And by like the second or third week in January, Anthony and I were kind of like, we don't see ourselves as anybody else. We're going to make this work. He forgave me. And ever since we have been together, I don't think my daughter would let us talk or date anybody else. She wants her parents back together. I feel like the relationship that we have now is so much more special than it was back years and years ago. It's so weird to have the level of mistrust, obviously the unfaithfulness, the, the infidelity, all of that to then be where we are now and have the level of trust and honor and respect that we have for each other. It's abnormal, but we've both worked really, really hard. I work really, really hard to rebuild that trust and never taking anything for granted. I'm just grateful and appreciative for the fact that he's even given me another chance. So I'm still legally married to the boss. We're going on year two now of trying to get divorced. He's like hanging on and of course making it as difficult as possible. And Anthony's 
been a great support in that. So we got together like officially in January of 2022. I filed for divorce in December of 2021. We have arguments, obviously. We could be so immature, both of us. Sometimes we're that 10 and 13 year old. We're fighting over where we're going to sit on the couch. Like literally, we are growing as a family and, and seeing what that looks like, getting to parent a 13 year old together. We're the cool parents in her little friend group because we're we're still young and fun together because that's just the, the type of relationship that we have. And then, you know, a few months after that, I ended up getting pregnant. And so we're expecting another baby here in a few weeks. We're excited about that. Am I crazy or is this like a modern day notebook story? Because everything <laughs> you're telling me, the blocking of the letters or the emails, and also now he's this huge success story of coming out on top. Oh my gosh, you guys are like living it in 2023. It's crazy. It was the moment when he pulled out the emails was like a notebook moment. We were literally in the heat of an art. And I'm like, you never tried to see her. And he was like, I did. And I'm like, bullshit. And he pulls out his phone and I I was just like speechless. Like I felt really, really dumb. It's really cool because I've grown up with this man. So to see him now become all of these things that I always knew that he was. People ask me all the time, like why I cheated. Anthony was never the reason that I cheated. I hate when people blame their cheating on that person. It wasn't because Anthony wasn't doing something or because he was a bad person. It was because of flaws that I had in myself. I was trying and expected Anthony to meet these needs in me that really were not his to meet. I need to be secure in myself and not look to a man to make me feel a certain way. And just because he didn't tell me I was beautiful five times when someone else tells me I'm beautiful, then okay, well now I'm going to go be with you. I need to know I'm beautiful and I'm these things so that I'm not just swayed, you know, any type of way, but it wasn't because of anything that he did. And I think that's really immature when people blame their cheating or their infidelity on, well, you didn't sleep with me enough and you didn't do this enough. No, it's your problem. Just because you're not getting sex as much as you want doesn't give you the right to go out and do these things. So I'm very quick to just take responsibility. And I think that's been really huge in our healing. And it's part of the reason I share my story. Like, I don't want someone to be like, oh, well, we know what really happened. Everyone can know what really happened. The shame that people think should come with it. I feel like if I wasn't healed to the point that I was, I would still have. I'm so proud of how far we've come. And I'm so proud. For me, the star of this story is Anthony and his heart and his willingness to give me another chance, his mercy and the grace that he has for me and not just wanting to hold it over my head constantly. It's not me being self-aware or being honest. That takes nothing. That's like a basic human thing. But people don't have to be as amazing as Anthony is, but he just is. And so it's so cool for me to be able to see this person that I've literally known since he was 10 and would forget to tie his shoes to now being this like successful business owner. And then for him to support me in what I'm doing in my career and be supportive of that and supporting me being my own person. Like I've, I've not experienced that before because, you know, that second marriage with the boss, he would tell me that I was great, but he didn't want anyone else to know that I was great. He wanted to like keep it hidden. Like Anthony's so proud of everything that I do, just like I'm proud of the stuff that he does. It really feels like this is a partnership. We both pull our weight. We both honor and respect each other. And I don't walk around every day being like, okay, well, I'm a cheater and I'm starting every day from being a cheater. And he, he doesn't make me feel that way. And I think that's something that's so special because I've known couples before where they've had infidelity or someone's cheated or whatever. And it's like every day they're constantly reminded by their partner of how they screwed up. But it's like, he doesn't remind me of that. Such a beautiful picture. And I'll bring this up because you mentioned being, I don't know if you're, you still are a Christian, but I think this is such a perfect example of the boss, a very legalistic way of thinking about Christianity, of thumping you over the head with scripture and Bible and using it as a tool to manipulate you into quote unquote submitting and controlling you. Whereas Anthony, that's such a beautiful picture of grace and what it truly means to see yeah. everything that you are, to see all the shit that you did and be like, you know what? I still accept you and I'm not going to hold it over your head. Yeah. Because to me, that is the perfect example of what that is supposed to look like and not what, you know, the cookie cutter Christian controlling type is supposed to be. Yeah. And I, I will 
honestly say, and I'm careful about how I say it because some people are like, um, I don't believe in that. But to be honest, when I think about what Anthony has done, it's an example of the love of Christ, I think. He's not holding it against me. I'm so honored and humbled by his forgiveness that it just, it wrecks me. How could I not honor and respect this man? And I think in my story and going through therapy and realizing that I felt like I had all these people that I needed to forgive. It was really hard for me to realize that same forgiveness that I am refusing to give to other people, I am in need of. And you know, the Bible talks about if we don't forgive others, we cannot be forgiven. So it was that connection for me. I am in need of that forgiveness that was so hard for me to give other people. It's like we want it, but we refuse to give it to other people. So it's taught me really to be quick to forgive because I need to be forgiven. And I'm so thankful for Anthony's forgiveness that he's extended to me and his grace. And just like how the Bible talks about what love is, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. He's not constantly reminding me. I think our relationship now is the strongest it has ever been. We have the most trust, most love, honor, and respect than we've ever had. And I'm just so grateful for it. That's awesome. Well, talk to me about forgiveness on having to give it out to other people because you just mentioned, you know, we want this forgiveness, but I'm sure you've had to really come to terms with having to forgive the boss. Can you talk about that experience a little bit? Whoa, uh, you just gave me that idea uh, that I might have to explore because I don't know, we're still actively in it. Forgiving the boss. Yeah, I guess I do, right? What's crazy about forgiveness is that you got to give it even when the person doesn't ask. And so we're still going through a lot of court stuff right now. He is just, in my opinion, not the best person. He deserves forgiveness also. And so I, I got to give it to him. Even when I look at the situation with the boss, he pisses me off. I am so sick of dealing with him. I want to be done with court. Just let me divorce you and let's just move on. This is my third divorce. I've never had a divorce take this long. Okay. Never. Like I've never had a divorce take this long. I want to be done. I feel like he has taken a lot from me. I was 19 years old when I met this man, you know, without saying too much because of the legal battle that we're going through. I lost a lot and I feel like I am owed something, but he's not going to be able to pay that debt. So that's why I don't need him to ask me for forgiveness. I don't need him to say that he's sorry. Those things are really irrelevant. When I think about the 10 years that I feel like were almost taken from me, I get angry because it's a lot of time. I get angry on behalf of my daughter. That's probably been the hardest thing because of how his actions impacted her, specifically with her dad. And I don't get emotional about a lot, but that's something that as a mom, I was led to believe that this man didn't love his little girl based off of the issues that this boss had. This little girl was led to believe that her dad didn't want anything to do with her. And that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. One of the things that I think is so special is when I see their relationship, I see the redeeming power that God has, the restoration power that he has in being able to literally take back time. If you saw the two of them together, you would never know that they were not in each other's lives every single solitary day. The relationship that they have is so special. Like I wish that my relationship was like that with my dad. And it's just like, I look at that and it gives me hope because I'm like, man, for 10 years, this thing was being destroyed and we thought it was being undone. But this entire time, like God knew, God had this plan and knew what that was going to look like. And their relationship is so special now. I don't know if they would have had that same relationship had they been in each other's lives forever. The way that God restores and the way that God redeems, it's like on a level that we could not imagine. And I see that in their relationship. I see that in the relationship that Anthony and I have. And it's just like when God takes care of something, when he handles it, when he settles it, it's going to be much better than we can imagine. If you related to the story, if you felt like you've been in a relationship where you were really manipulated and controlled, you have to tune into Thursday's bonus episode. It is such a bomb interview. I talked to a therapist who specializes in relationship trauma and we unpack what it looks like to get manipulated in a relationship and how you can draw those boundaries or how you can get out completely. It's an episode you're not going to want to miss. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.